five, four, three, two, one, zero. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to Culture Clash Live, the first of the new year. This is Culture Clash Live, episode 242. Hello, 2024. And I got to do a quick shout out here because I see our good buddy, Kenny Crayley, has wished both me and my co-host, who I'll be bringing in in just a moment, a happy new year. Happy new year to you, sir. But you know what? It is 2024. I thought I could do this show alone all through 2024. It, it might up the ratings, but now nah, then I realize if I if I do it with a certain person, it's always better and it's always so much more fun. Um, rumor has it he is old man time. Um, I call him Mr. Kevin Reitzel, Spart aka Spartan underscore Phoenix. Um, no, you is you it, can't it, hide from safe? time, Kevin. You can't hide. You it, can't hide from time. Is it safe to come out? Uh, ask Adam O'Brien. He says it's 2024. Wow, already, and he's been dodging trees and storms and all kinds of stuff. So, are Blu-rays in in 4K still around yet? Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> What's up, buddy? <laughs> I don't know. Not too much. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there, um, and watch and viewers. Um, yeah, we're in 2024. It's Culture Clash first episode. Um, we got some. What's up, Adam? <laughs> We we are going we're going to be covering some of close out of some things from 2023 and talk about some things in 2024 plus some little fandom news a little some reviews a little buy it stream and then see it we got all kinds of stuff going on here but you know what Kevin we first of all how was your Christmas did you have a good holiday season uh yeah it was just relaxing nothing really to kind of uh, write home about you, you know it's it's gotten to the point to where like usually I'll buy stuff for myself that I want and. and and I did buy something in England and brought it back with me. I want to show it to you real quick. Uh, I went to Forbidden Planet uh, in uh, London, and it was on sale for 15 pounds. So I got Solo Speeder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I always love this thing. I always thought it looked kind of cool. So, yeah. <laughs> by, by, by the way, um, um, don't you have something you bought in London for me still in your possession? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, somewhere here. Yeah. I, I, I owe you a movie, don't I? <laughs> it's somewhere around here, Kyle. I'll, I'll get to you. Well, speaking of possessions, uh, Ken, Ken, Kenneth here, he loaded up uh, obviously at Best Buy or somewhere today because he got himself a new audio video receiver, Dolby Atmos, and he Ooh. picked up Mando seasons one and two on 4k. That's those seasons are going to sound good through that thing. So yeah, what did Adam do? What he said? Uh, he's talking some Rebel Moon, which we're going to be talking about a little later. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard, I saw your review on that, Adam. I liked your review. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I got. We're, we're definitely going to be talking a little Rebel Moon a little bit later. But Kevin, before we get into the heart of the show, I, I want to talk about something I got over the. Oh, holidays. please do! I'm excited for this. This is cool. I, I put a post up on my Facebook a couple of days ago because I was been doing some retro gaming thanks to Santa Claus. Um, I received for Christmas the Atari 2600 Plus. Now, if you are not familiar with this, Atari put this out. It runs about $139.99. It's an emulator 
but it looks like the classic tar Atari 2600. It, it's about half the size of the original 2600, but you can hook it up via HDMI. It comes with the classic Atari joystick, and it get, you get a cartridge that has 10 games on it. And now, question. Do, uh -huh. those, do those little knobs on there work like the old school one? Yes, they do. Oh, that's so cool. So it comes with a cartridge. And here's the interesting thing about the cartridge. If you can, you can see it in the picture there. There's four little switches on the cartridge. And you have to move those switches in, in a particular spot, depending on what game you want to play. But that's the game so cool. it comes with 10 games on that cartridge. Adventure, of course, for all you Ready Player One fans out there. The classic Atari that used to come with the 2600 Combat, Dodge'em, Haunted House, Maze Craze, one of my favorites, Missile Command, Real Sports, Real Sports Volleyball, Surround, Video Pinball, and another one of my Atari favorites, Yars Revenge. Do you want to play a game? <laughs> How about Global Thermal Nuclear War? <laughs> That's awesome, but, dude. That, that yeah, is so, it, and I love it. Still has that like wood panel look on it too. That's really yeah. cool. But not only did I get that, they have an accessory for it too, Kevin. The old pong paddles. Wow, you can play centipede with those. Yeah, but it's kind of hard. You don't. Have <laughs> but it, again, it comes with a four-in-one cartridge where it includes Breakout, Canyon Bomber, Night Driver, and Video Olympics. That's so cool. Wow. But they're even more to more the, yeah because the atari 2600 plus not only plays these cartridges it plays the classic atari 2600 and atari 7800 games the originals wow that <laughs> I, i've done cool. a little ebaying and i picked up for example spider-man the original atari 2600 game with its <laughs> i mean come on Look at those graphics, Kevin. Who needs Spider-Man 2 on PlayStation 5? I don't that's know. That's what I'm That's pretty you. gorgeous. That that's that's so that's some edge. That is edge that is some top yeah. edge square pixel use, my friend. Yes. <laughs> but Pixels. I, I also, that was not the only thing I picked up because I picked up one of my all-time favorite Atari games made by Activision, Kaboom. And this is a paddle game. And the object is, is if you look at on the graphic screen, you've got a escape prisoner who's dropping bombs. You control three water buckets, and you're trying to catch the bombs. And if a bomb hits the ground, you lose one of your water buckets. Ah, and that's pretty cool. Here's the thing: the first two levels of this are pretty simple. Um, the third level, he's moving like freaking Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Kenny says those old school consoles are so cool that when they get a mini version, I have the NES Classic. The NES Classic is a fun one too. Um, also, Berserk. This was I remember this in the arcade games. This is a fun game, and the neat thing about this particular version of Berserk is it's actually upgraded. They upgraded some of the sound quality on it and a little bit of the graphics, but this is a, a very fun one. The, the little the the uh, the bad guys in Berserk, the robots, always remind me of Maximilian in uh, the Black Hole. Yeah, he can, they, they, <laughs> and then finally, I picked up an Atari seventy eight hundred game, and it is a classic. To me, it was actually one I played on um, PC when I was a kid. But wait, wait, Jim Cotta, Jim Cotta. No, you could, you, it kind, kind of looks like it could be Jim Cotta, but <laughs> um, it is a classic karate. But got to go rescue the girl, fight through the bad guys. But here's the great thing about Karateka at the end of the game: if you approach 
the woman you're rescuing in your fighting stance, she will kick you and kill you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. Yes. I, I had not heard of that game. That that's, yeah, that, that's, that's cool. one of my all-time favorite class yeah. classics. But no, it's been a great experience. I'm actually going up this weekend to a retro game store up in Tampa that sells Atari 2600 cartridges to see what oh, I can Oh, you're going to load up, buddy. I want pictures. I want pictures <laughs> of your full cart. <laughs> so so we're, we're, we're gonna have some fun with that but you know what none of, wait 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 wait, wait 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 got a question uh-huh are you required to blow into your cartridges there i, I I've, I've had to do it at least once <laughs> so but you know what we are going to have some fun around the fandom podcast network too it's a new year we've got some stuff that we did last year we've got some stuff that we are getting ready to do this year because we've got coming soon and just arrived to the fandom podcast network Mr. Reisel, you want to help me out with this one? Yeah, but first I want to give a shout out. Make sure you give a shout out to Adam. He's going to be, uh, he's rebuilding right now because, you know, I think he's living in an ark because there are some heavy storms there, but uh, he's got some stuff coming out, obviously, for the for uh, the Lethal Mullet po podcast. Wish you well, uh, Adam. I know uh, you've been through hell the last week and a half, so Jesus. I, 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 I can completely <laughs> sympathize with him living in Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, we've got some stuff coming up and it's out as well. We want to start off, first of all, with Tombstone Couch Potato Theater. That is out right now on, of course, on our YouTubes and, of course, uh, the audio podcast. And uh, me, you, Kyle, and our buddy Lee, uh, my co-host, of course, of uh, Bloody Kings, our Highlander podcast. Uh, we talked a little Tombstone, did a little 30th anniversary celebration because it came out in came out on Christmas Day, 19... 93 so that was a good and one. Kevin, get, give me a second here because i i think i need to, i'm checking something real quick as you're talking about tombstone because we put it out the day after christmas because it was kind of right right there i want to thank our viewers because as we, we are still in the process of growing our youtube channel tombstone has over 300 views oh that's awesome man thank you guys so much i you know we just put these out for fun and it's nice that people are reciprocating and watching it and you know, sharing it. We appreciate you guys. That's awesome. That was a fun show to do. Yes, it was. But, but we had a little Christmas fun too. No, oh yeah, we had to. We always like to showcase a Christmas movie for uh, the holiday season. And we chose Elf. Elf came out in 2003, celebrating its 20th anniversary. And we discussed why Elf has become a huge uh, holiday now Christmas movie. And is also becoming a, a fan favorite of like, you know, the uh, the big ones that are out there that people always watch and see. So yeah. Next we got uh, of course my favorite um one of my favorite movies Demolition Man and we had of course our buddy Adam O'Brien from the Lethal Mullet as a guest on this as well celebrated its 30th anniversary of course in 2023. Uh, that is up there. Make sure you check that out. And also we're going to do something fun next Thursday as of this recording Kyle. We're going to be recording a new episode of the Hair Metal Pack podcast but what makes this one special guys is that we are doing a 1989 hair metal supergroup draft where we're going to pick our five member supergroup my new co-host of uh hair metal mr mike simmer uh he came up with the idea and then i took the idea and ran with it is that we're going to be doing like a fantasy football draft but we're going to be drafting our own um metal players of that era are putting our own supergroup together and he got two of his buddies who are very well, uh, very well, um, let's say, know, know the genre well. They're hair metal fans themselves. 
And we're going to have a four-person draft. And uh, if you know how a draft works, we're going to do a snake draft. We're going to draft one, two, three, four, and then four, three, two, one. Until we get five members, going to get a singer, two guitar players, a drummer, and a bass player. And then we're going to have a wild card round where we're going to pick a 1989-era celebrity, non-musician, that's going to be part of your entourage. And uh, that's what we're going to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Kyle, you're going to be our commissioner for that. You're going to make yes, sure that I, we draft I, right. I just want to state, for the record, as the commissioner of the draft, all supermodels and video vixens come to the commissioner's office. You mean first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sound like you're 1989, bro. Love it. You're in there already. <laughs> also, as we do, one of our favorite shows on the network is Time Warp, Time Warp, where we look back on a year of movies and pop culture, and we are not letting 1984 get away from us because everything is 40 years ago, and there is some classic movies that are coming out in 1984. And we're going to start off with some good television, too, that aired. We got Airwolf that came out, of course. Uh, we also got uh, a couple other things. You know, We're going to talk about the music and the, uh, the movies that came out in January of 1984. We're going to be doing this monthly now so that we can spend a little more time on some of the shows and some of the pop culture in between the films. So you're going to be uh, getting 12 episodes of Time Warp 1984, Kyle. Oh, Ke Ke Kevin, I, I have a question for you. It, it, I feel like the artwork for Time Warp is very heavily influenced by things you like between the Marcus Allen Super Bowl MVP and the movie poster for Angel. Yes, we're going to go into that, Kyle. <laughs> and one of the best R-rated uh, sex comedies of all time, Hot Dog. And of course, Frankie says relax. Remember Frankie. So there you go. Uh, next, we have coming up in the new year, Kyle. Tell us what we got going on here. I'm working on a little project. Um, it's still being kind of worked on because the MonsterVerse show Monarch is not quite wrapped up yet. But we're going to do a, a, re, a little bit of rematch and revisit Pacific Rim on Couch Potato Theater. But we're adding to it because obviously Legendary Pictures, which did Pacific Rim, is also responsible for the current MonsterVerse of Godzilla and Kong that we're getting. But we're also going to have a little conversation uh, on Godzilla Minus One. Um, I'm going to talk more about Godzilla Minus One on this podcast. And we're hoping to have a special guest. We're, we're still working on that. Um, that will join us who knows a thing or two about Kaiju and Godzilla. That's true. I'm looking forward to that. I just watched Pacific Rim last night. It was great to revisit that. And I'm going to watch the sequel as well. Be well prepared for that podcast. Next, we have got Couch Potato Theater Payback. Payback came out in January of 1999, so it is celebrating its 25th anniversary. We're excited about that. One of my favorite action movies, uh, but more importantly, actually, my favorite Mel Gibson movie. We're going to get into that, so I'm excited for that. This is, this is when Mel Gibson still had some relative sanity. Yes, this is true. <laughs> so that's what we got coming, and that was what is on the network. Yes, um, and, we, and we've got a lot to talk about here, Kevin. In fact, do, do, do we have? I'm feeling timey wimey. Timey wimey. Right? Do we have any timey wimey sounds? Um, we, we we might. I think we might have have one floating around. Let me see. Let me oh, see I got it. I got it. Hold on, hold on. I got it. I borrowed that from Time Warp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it came from Time Warp. However, I've got something even better. Oh yeah, what you got? Oh, you got the Sonic pen. Nice. <laughs> Curse of the 11th Doctor and Mr. Matt Smith. But yeah, um, so I, 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 I have to give a shout out, Kevin, because 
we have a member of the Fandom Podcast Network who in, helped inspire this idea. Our queen of movie foo, Lacey Adderhold, kind of yes. got us rolling. I was recently visited with her and watched a watched with watched a classic, in my opinion, time travel movie that she had never actually seen before. Neither have you, and Hold we're going to talk about that soon. But it's inspired another idea. But she had the DVD, but hadn't yeah. seen it yet. Is that what it was? Exactly. <laughs> like like you haven't done that. <laughs> okay, so wait, hold on, hold on. We're talking about the sound of thunder, Kyle. Was it 2005, six? I can't remember right. 2004, actually. 2004. Sound of thunder. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, what we're going to do, Kyle, is we're going to celebrate a little bit of timey wimey, right? Yeah, we're going to do a little bit of Fandom Podcast Network time travel spotlight. So we, 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 Kevin and I have been talking about this, and we kind of have a plan. Over and probably, I would say, the next first half of the year, let's say. Kevin yeah. and I are going to be We're, we're going, not going to be solid on the time frame because it's timey-wimey, mm-hmm. but we're going to spend a good portion of this year uh, talking about time travel. Yeah. So what, 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 what Kevin and I are looking at is going forward in Culture Clash, starting our next episode, which we will be discussing Sound of Thunder. Um, we are going to be covering some of the more maybe quite not so well-known time travel films and maybe even TV shows. Yeah. I, I want to give uh, the reasoning for this. So I did a, uh, a query, put a, a post out there on social media last year and I saved the post. I wanted recommendations for time travel movies that weren't your big blockbusters. Like I didn't want to hear about back to the future or Terminator and stuff like that. I wanted to kind of more underneath the radar appreciated time travel movies. And I got a lot of great, great uh, suggestions. And of course you re- you mentioned, of course, uh, sound of thunder, which we have up here a picture of, we have the original poster and DVD release, picture and then we have the more exciting one with dinosaurs on it <laughs> but one of the ones uh, Kyle that I'm going to check out too because I'm really I've never seen it and it's a classic is somewhere in time with Superman himself man Steve uh, um, Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour I've never seen it before so I'm excited for it yeah it's going to be a lot of fun and it might culminate with our other show Cash Potato Theater where we cover some of the bigger blockbuster time travel Yes, yes. Films. So think about your favorite time travel uh, movies and TV series. Give us a shout out and uh, we'd love some more input on that. Yeah, I, I can promise you at some point we will be covering all the different devices for time travel. There might be some vortex manipulators. There might be some DeLoreans. There might be a little HG Wells machines. Also, yes, definitely a hot tub. Also, we're going to be doing a Culture Clash episode eight, uh, uh, Magic Eight Ball, where we're going to pick our top eight time travel movies and or TV series. Mm-hmm. I, I I will say this too: we will have probably besides the hot tub, we will probably include a motorcycle time for time travel. <laughs> so so we are going to become where going everywhere. Um, however, somewhere in, as Kenny said, somewhere in time is a great film by my. Favorite Reeve, it's my favorite Reeve film after the. Uh, he can't say somewhere in time what? is a great film. My favorite Reeve film after the first two Superman films. Yeah, that's what I've heard from fans before, and the fact that I haven't seen it is amazing because Jane Seymour is in it, and I love Jane Seymour. Mm-hmm. So well, who I'm does gonna check it out. 
And, yeah. Who doesn't love James Seymour? But you know what? We do have some news to talk about that's been happening in fandom as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's news. So, one of the other things that the Fandom Podcast Network is going to be covering this year is the current state of how we get our media. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about old school versus new school. We're gonna be talking about physical media versus digital media. This is gonna be something that probably is gonna be a theme. I think very heavy this year because of what's hap what's happening in that with with media right now. Yeah. But a big one, and this was actually announced towards the end of 2023 that Best Buy was in 2024 was going to phase out physical media. Well, they didn't wait long. In 2024, <laughs> I think they had the guys ready like opening day, opening New Year's Day, because Best Buy has officially started pulling physical media out of their stores. I went to a Best Buy um, the 30th of December, and it was pretty sparse. I think the most most physical media they had was they had a, um, a lot of 4K, some box TV sets, and that was probably about it, Kevin. Uh, how many shelves would you say? I would say probably about four shelving units and a couple stand-up units for 4K yeah, in yeah. recent releases. Well, when I read this article, I had not been to my Best Buy in a couple of weeks. And I, I you know what's funny is, and, and I do want to preface this, because for me, Best Buy was a tradition like um, going to see uh, the new video release at your local video stores or blockbusters back in the day, you know, you know especially in the 90s where uh you would wait for new dvd tuesday and that would come that would affect not just the the video rental stores but also best buy and all of the other stores that were carrying physical media at the time and um it uh for me best buy was a destination stop every single week i knew what was coming out usually because i would go on to a, a website and they would release what was coming out, but I would go anyway, even if there was something that wasn't interesting to me, because sometimes something might sneak through the thing and I didn't or underneath my radar because you'd also get new albums, new CDs as well. So especially like when I was working for Decipher in, um, in uh, uh, Virginia, the, uh, you know, Decipher games, when I was living there, Kyle DVDs were coming out. And then I was there every Tuesday looking for whatever was new. And then of course there was, you know, the uh, a little bit later, like around 2004 and five ish and stuff like that. Then the, the HD and the Blu-ray stuff started coming out. Was DVD Tuesday a big thing for you at Best Buy for a long time like mine? It was a big thing. I would go to Best Buy, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. As far as at least where being here in Florida, I mean, I would go to Best Buy, but it was the trips to Suncoast Motion Picture Company for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I had been to several of those and those were fun in the mall. Um, and by the way, Kenny says for me, physical media is the best and better way than streaming. The audio and video is not as compressed as you get the best extras. Completely agree with you there, Kenny. But anyway, this news here, it was just like, I was kind of like dreading going to my, my best buy and I did. And they always had a pretty decent amount of shelving, especially during the holiday. They did pack it up a little bit before the holidays because they wanted to get one last holiday rush of movies. And so I went in there and I took some selfies here what it looked like and this is kind of like the main aisle here and, and it's, even let me guess it was it was way in the back of the store wasn't it? yes it was, it was how, it's, how it's been in my in the couple of best yeah. buys i've been in here locally too 
Yeah, it's off on, onto the far left in this particular store. <laughs> and, and the wall behind me up against the wall, that also is a, a media area as well. And these are the pictures of all the shelving units that exist as of uh, a couple of days ago. What's up, Joseph? Joseph is in the house. What's up, brother? Um, but the the picture on the far right, Kyle, that one is <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was at the adult section. Yes, I was. I was in the steelbook adult section. Very special. Uh, the picture on the bottom right actually is the only section that my local Target kept for like the last six months. That's it used to be on the other side of that wall and mm -hmm. another aisle, and that's all it is now. And the, the biggest, they did the not, biggest. I was gonna say, sorry, go the ahead. biggest DVDs and physical media sections in town are Walmart. Yeah, exactly. And that one, the closest Walmart to me is like 45 minutes south, so it's not convenient. But uh, this is it. This is what my local th store is. And it's not like they were pulling them. They're just not filling them right now. So I think that they're just leaving them here, and then they're going to probably consolidate all of them into one shelf or something. And I uh, I did a little uh, did a little buying myself here. So <laughs> just leave it at that. So, right so. I want to comment on this because a couple of things. I am a digital guy. I have become a digital guy, but I kind of do my digital differently than a lot of others. And Kevin and I have talked about this and we will be talking about it in a later episode of Culture Clash we have planned. But I want to say this because I still do keep certain things that are on physical media because I know they're going to they're either not available on digital or it's just something where especially like with and with my anime collection and some things like that i just they've never they haven't even come out on blu-ray they have never even yeah. upgraded their blu-ray so but what i find interesting about this is considering the push that they for 4k that's still out there i cannot believe they're even they're not even stocking 4k they're they're it, I, and that kind of is a little mind-blowing to me i yeah, can understand i can understand dvds i can even understand blu-rays but the fact that they're not keeping a at least a full shelf of nothing but 4K is blowing my mind. And let's explain that for people that don't know. 4K are universal uh, Blu-rays. You can play them in any player around the world. And they're a higher and quality even than Blu-ray too. Higher quality as well. And uh, a lot of them are come with digital uh, copies as well, which is cool. But yeah, that's that surprises me as well. I, I'm going to make sure I get a secondary uh, 4K player, but I'm, I have a feeling that 4K is not done yet. And yes, no. uh, Joseph, Walmart is doing is going strong on DVDs right now. Some are a little bare, depends on which one you go to. I also want to just throw this out for some people because there is later this year some physical media coming out on 4K with some Jim Cameron films that we've been waiting for a very long time to come out on a blu-ray 4k whatever you want to call but two of them have come out came out on digital on itunes over the holidays and they kind of snuck them out without much yep. fanfare but the abyss true and true lies are available on in 4k on itunes if you if if apple is your route for digital films and they also upgraded aliens to 4k yeah, thank you for the heads up on that because I went and bought the the Abyss and um, True Lies on digital 4K, but I'm still going to get it when it comes out oh, on yeah. an actual disc, you know. <laughs> but there was something I was telling you about that I want to tell people about here because if you really want to understand the difference between 4K and like a regular regular film, the Abyss, which has all the – and the digital version of this has all the extras that are going to be included on the 4K DVD that's coming out. It includes the addition, special edition director's cut, the Abyss special director's edition cut, cut. But that is not in 4K. 
the original film is in 4K. So if you really want to see the differences between a 4K and the original, right. it's picture wise and sound wise, it's it's jarring in a way because yeah. the picture is so crystal clear. So, but with that, we're going to get it. We'll get into more uh, physical versus digital later in the year with Fandom Podcast Network. But we have some other news. We have some MCU news, Kevin. This isn't true believers, but we do have some MCU news. And one is including a film that is trying to get off the ground to get into production, and that is The Thunderbolts. Now, Stephen Young from um, The Walking Dead, and uh, he's he voices Invincible on the, on the Amazon animated series, been in a lot of things recently, was set to play the character The Sentry. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't see him in this role. Um, it just didn't seem like a fit to me. Well, he has pulled himself out of this role um, in the last couple of days. Now, he's he's saying he is, a, he is being a very apologetic to the fans and to the uh, Marvel Studios. It, he said there are scheduling conflicts that have arised due to the strike and some other things, but he would he would very much like to be in another role in the MCU down the line. I'm wondering um, if we're going to see a lot of this. Sorry to interrupt, Kyle, but I'm wondering if we're going to be seeing a lot of this or hearing about this stuff later because the strike really messed up a lot of scheduling. And so a lot of these contracts that these characters were maybe into and, you know, they either were into another project and then they get pulled into something else that they have to pull out of things that originally they might have been due because now they have to do this that was delayed because of the strike. Yeah, it's gonna. I think that's going to be very interesting. There's been some early talk to Henry Cavill, which I think is honestly a better fit for this particular character, might but might step in. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how this is. And the, the Thunderbolts. Let him do Highlander film. first, and then we'll talk about stuff. Well, and I think the Thunderbolts <laughs> is a film that still needs some work done to it. And the, yeah. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing because the MCU needs to do a little kind of reshuffling of the board and figuring some things out. So we'll see what happens. But speaking of the MCU, there, while this is not official, a lot of people are saying it's going to be soon. Um, obviously, one of the things that had ended 2023 on kind of a sour note was everything that happened with Jonathan Majors. Yes. I, I will be honest with you. I am a fan of Jonathan Majors, the actor and his acting abilities. I loved him in Lovecraft Country. He had a, a World War or a Korean War movie he did where he was a pilot. And that Devotion. was I thought that. Yeah, and I thought that was a phenomenal film, and I, I was a big fan of him as an actor. He's gotten himself in some trouble. We've, I, we've all read it. One interesting tidbit, he is going to be interviewed on Good Morning America on Monday morning, the 8th. And it's wait, his wait, first wait, hold on. You, you, oh, sorry, who's being interviewed? Jonathan Majors. Okay. Is being interviewed Monday morning on Good Morning America, his first interview since everything happened. So I'm a, if, you're, if you've been following that story and you want to know that more about that, great. But the story that's been making the rounds is a very strong rumor, and I have, I've done a little research on this, and it looks like it's a very strong possibility this is going to happen. Kang is too important of a character for what the MCU has planned to get rid of him completely, I think. And they have been talking about a replacement for Jonathan Majors. Um, Coleman Domingo, who I am a huge fan of from his work on the TV show Fear the Walking Dead, and he has been phenomenal on that show, um, playing playing a character that plays in the shades of gray, good guy sometimes, bad guy sometimes. Just you know, he he's looking out for number one, and he is an actor who's going about to become a lot more well known because he is currently in the new version of The Color Purple, and a lot of he's getting a lot of Oscar buzz for his performance in that film. 
And there is he is apparently the leading candidate right now to take over the role of Kang in the MCU. I think he would actually be phenomenal in the role. Um, he said in a recent interview, he's finally he feels he's ready as an actor to play a in one of these comic book movies. And he says, I want to be the villain. I want to do the dirty stuff. I want to do <laughs> the naughty stuff. I want to be that role. And I think he would make a very good Kang, Kevin. That's cool. I, I'm not familiar with his stuff per se, but uh, um, we'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I think I think I think I think this if this if this happens and I'm telling you right now, Marvel Studios make this happen because it's brilliant casting. And I think it would be a great way to kind of get people to move on from Jonathan Majors as Kang. Kevin, I know you've been anxious for that for a while anyway. Nothing against yeah. Jonathan Majors. Just you weren't a fan of his performance as Kang. Yeah, I'm not a fan of his performance as Kang. Let's move along. <laughs> so, well, you know what? It is that time in the show, too, because, you know what? We've, we've talked about the news. We've talked about what's coming with the Fandom Podcast Network. But we haven't reviewed some things, and I know we've seen some things. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to buy it, buy it, buy it, stream it, stream it, stream it or unsee or it. Unsee it. That is right. Kevin and I have seen a few things. We're going to talk some reviews here, which means that when we're talking reviews, spoiler alert, Kevin, do you want to hit the button? I know no, you, you go. Me. You go ahead. You're so, <laughs> a New Year's resolution is going to let me hit some buttons. <laughs> we are going to be talking about several things here in Fire Streaming and see it, including Aquaman 2. Um, what if? Um, and a couple other things, Rebel Moon, as well as something, a couple other things here and there. So, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen any of this stuff, tune out for a few minutes, come back, go get grab a sandwich, go grab a drink, come back, watch the rest of the show, or put pause on your pod on your pot if you're listening on the audio version and rejoin us. But the first thing we are going to talk about in the new year for our first review, Kevin Aquaman 2 The Lost Kingdom. AKA the end of the Snyderverse. <laughs> the end of the Snyderverse? Pretty basically, yes. This is the last this will be the last film based within the Snyderverse of DC. DCU. And, let's let, DCU. let's let's clarify clarify that. That's the end of the DCU Snyderverse, right? Yes. <laughs> so Kevin, I know you actually saw Aquaman before I did. I saw it here just a few yes. days a few days ago. What were your thoughts on Aquaman? Well, I put a post on social media and I'm just going to read that post because, you know, that's the way that I felt at the time. It's still how I feel about it. I said Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom, non-spoiler review. Well, this is a spoiler review now. Uh, I I went in with low expectations. Uh, why? Well, because it's DCU, uh, which hasn't done well to give the fans a universe they deserve over the past 10 to 15. Wouldn't you say that's correct, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that was correct. There's been more misses than hits. Lately, you could say the same for the MCU. I love Jason Momoa in just about any role he does. Going to the movies, I expected another CG blah fest popcorn movie. I was pleasantly surprised at how much I actually enjoyed it. Yes, it's packed with CG, but I was surprised by the supporting characters and the story. Jason Momoa is so much fun as Aquaman, but credit to Patrick Wilson for helping to carry the film. My other favorite characters were played by Dolph Lundgren and Tamara Morrison, who returns. And Randall Park, who is now part of the DCU and MCU. I'll see Aquaman 3 if it happens, which I don't expect. Even though I enjoyed Aquaman 1, I think I enjoyed this sequel more for a fun escape and laughs for a couple of hours. Check it out. I still stand by that. 
Uh, and I did want to just say on topic, because some people, when I put that post up, they asked about a certain actress in the film, Kyle. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Let me get my uh, thoughts on, out on Aquaman, then we're going to talk about that. Yes. Okay, go. So I'm going to personally say this movie has fun moments, and most of those fun moments are with Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson. They they both shine in this film. It, it, there's not even a question of that for me. They're, they they are fun together. They play off of each other well, and you can tell they were having some fun with each other. I'm going to be honest with you. I prefer Aquaman 1 to this one. I felt this one, the story just kind of felt a little flat for me. And then maybe it's because we kind of went into this film feeling, knowing it was a little bit of a lame duck status because mm -hmm. of what was going on with the Snyderverse. The CGI fell off to me. I'm going to be honest with you. The underwater stuff did not look as good as the first Aquaman. See, that's that's the thing. The CG, Kyle, real quick, I, I didn't expect it to be perfect. So I, I wasn't even going to judge the CG on this. I, I don't care. I just, I wanted something of a fun story. But anyway, go ahead. Well, let me put it this way. Why the CGI was off to me, when the CGI makes Nicole Kidman look a little off and look a little funny, I was like, uh, yeah, no, you don't do that to Nicole Kidman. But um, it's it's a solid it's a solid film. It's uh, for me, it's definitely a stream it. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to say it's a go out and buy it, but there is an interesting thing with this. A few interesting things with this film, obviously being the last film of the Snyderverse. But more importantly, this film not only got stuck with that, it got stuck with a co-star problem. And of course, that we I. If, if you have been in the know of what has happened between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, you know. And boy, Kevin, could you feel the edit in this movie? <laughs> um, Amber, Amber, Amber was really cut. <laughs> yes. And as I expected, she was in it because she had to kind of tie a couple of things together, but not in it a lot. And I thought that was a good choice. I think it was the right choice, but... It was definitely felt. You could feel how much it, there was a lot of scenes that, of her that were cut out of this film. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, so what are, are, is Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom? Is that a buy it, stream it, or see it for you, Mister? Well, you know, it, to me, it's right in the middle. There, it's definitely a stream it. You know, it's just a fun yeah. popcorn film. But you know, as me liking physical media, you know, if they release an Aquaman one two like duo pack or something like that, I might pick it up. Because uh, I honestly, I, I loved Randall Park in this uh, as the as the Dr. Stephen Shin. And I love Patrick Wilson in this more than the first, yes. you know, he, he kind of stole the film to be perfectly. Honest. I think I think he did, too. I agree with you when this in his film. And I, I'm a fan. But dude, Dolph Lundgren, come on. Well, I mean, he's more of a role than I expected in this film. And I thought I just love seeing Dolph Lundgren back doing stuff in action. It's great. There is one thing and I'm not going to completely spoil it but there's another reason why this movie can only be a stream for me what is that cockroaches <laughs> what what happens with cockroaches in this film oh yeah 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 yeah. As, yeah. As, especially yeah. in a mid-credit scene <laughs> that was that was funny yeah so anyway i i'm just gonna say stream it but i might bow down and buy it in physical media later on because i wouldn't I, mind if it's watching a it two back to back so yeah if it's a ten dollar thing i'll probably pick it up to be a completist because i do like momoa i do like patrick wilson yeah yeah so. and those two i tell you right now those two working together it was great i, I loved it yeah yeah the next film we are going to talk about is the netflix Zack snyder it's, it's all about Zack snyder right now um rebel moon Zack snyder's quote-unquote star wars project 
that Lucasfilm rejected that the I magically trigger balloons too. It's, it's, it's how great. are you doing that, Kyle? How yeah, are you something to do with like trigger, like trigger. Fe- let's see Star Wars project? Uh, it must be something Star Wars project. See, it doesn't happen to me. You're, the balloons happen. I'm magic. You hit. I'm magic. But <laughs> this this film big big deal for Netflix. They've been hyping it for months now. It's part one of a two part thing. Zack Snyder's also talked about there being a massive director's cut. I know Adam had some comments about it earlier. Kevin, what were your thoughts on Rebel Moon? Okay. All right. So immediately going into this, I knew that people were going to love to hate on it. I knew that people were going to hate watch this and love talking about how much they hate it. Guess what, Kyle? We were right. That's exactly what (laughs) happened. I think that's kind of a Zack Snyder thing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, And you know what? I like a lot of his films. There's some that I don't like. It's fine. I, you know, I dig his style. Uh, I I'm a, I'm a fan of his overall. And, uh, I, you know, Zach, you do your thing. You do you. Okay. And I knew going into this film that I was going to see tropes from every single sci-fi slash Western slash samurai movie. I would expect to see. And you know what? I like tropes. Because let me tell you something, Kyle. Did you know that I'm a big fan of um, Hallmark movies? Do you know yes. why? Because tropes. they're tropes. Do you know why I keep watching them? Not because I know what's going to happen. Because I want to see what happens from point A to point B. Or point A to point C. I want to know why they get together at the end. I know they're going to get together in and share a dry kiss. That's okay. I went into Rebel Moon going that way. I know I'm going to see this type of reference. I'm going to see that type of trope. And it's going to, you know, it's going to remind me of Star Wars. It's going to remind me of this Western. It's going to remind me of more of the Seven Samurai. That's the biggest Mm -hmm. influence I got from this. But everyone has borrowed from Seven Samurai. Star Wars, anybody? I went in there just with an open mind. Wanted to watch the performers. And just just kind of put all that other crap behind it and see if I can just enjoy the film. You know what happened, Kyle? You enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the film. I loved it visually. I loved uh, the look of the characters. I loved the setting. I didn't care if the bad guy was your typical kind of Nazi looking bad guy, you know, because Nazis are good bad guys. I don't know if you know this, but Indiana Jones hates Nazis. (laughs) Why? Because they make good bad guys. I don't care about all that stuff and why it looked familiar. I wanted to see his interpretation of this world that he was building, this world, this creative world building that he was doing, which I thought he did a great job with. And I got excited for the sequel. I watched the trailer for the sequel and uh, I enjoyed it. So when you talk about people having a love hate relationship with Zack Snyder, I don't say, I'm not going to say I have a love hate relationship with Zack Snyder. I have a love frustration relationship with Zack Snyder. <laughs> you mean because like, I, if you're a fan of a certain football team, <laughs> <laughs> I c- kind of, um, <laughs> anyway, move along, uh, move along, move along, move along. I'm trying to be not, I have a new year's resolution to be nicer to certain football teams, but <laughs> move along, I don't move think along. it's going to last long. I think Zack Snyder visually is an absolutely amazing director. Every movie he's ever done on a visual aspect, to me is mind blowing. I love Sucker Punch. I love the ideas he does in Sucker Punch. I still my don't biggest... understand what happened in Sucker Punch, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my biggest problem with Zack Snyder is unless Zack Snyder is working with a really good writer, 
he kind of loses himself in his visuals and what he's trying to do. And I, and Rebel Moon is a typical Zack Snyder film to me. It is absolutely gorgeous. There are a lot of characters I'm intrigued by. I would like to know more about these characters. And that is one of my flaws with Rebel Moon. Outside of Sophia Batella's character, we get minimal character development with the rest of the supporting cast. And I'm intrigued by the look of these characters. I'm intrigued by some of the backstory they hint at with these characters. And he just doesn't build on it. I understand there's a part two that might build on that more, but I can only go by what I have. Watched. I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but it was called a child of fire. It's about yeah. her. <laughs> I'm I, just supporting I under- actors. <laughs> I, I understand it's about her, but I'll, 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 let's, I'll just say Charlie Hunnan's character. We could have gotten a little bit more in depth about him because it would have made a moment in the film. If they would have given us a little bit more character development with that character, it would have made a moment that happens in this film a lot more powerful. Well, you know, um, I could see that, but I, I thought he was the more flushed out, one of the more flushed out characters. So anyway, but, but, that's, but that's the thing. I think everybody outside of her was n- before when you say a lot more fleshed out, it still wasn't that fleshed out. And like I said, there's some great ideas in here. I'm very intrigued by some of the things. And like I said, I'm whole, I'm reserving full judgment until part two comes out because it's not fair to judge something off of a part one. But I'm just going off of what I've seen right here right now. I'm feeling like I'm in this it's as a typical Zack Snyder film. And I would just I, I go back to looking at 300 where Frank Miller would work with him and as the writer and everything, and how amazing that film is and what he's capable of when he has some really quality writing working with him. And this is just right now. I, it's, it's, I think it's worth a check out if you're a science fiction fan. Obviously, I, I kind of ha- equate it to um, Seven Samurai meets Battle Beyond the Stars. It's yes. A, it, reminds, yes. it has a little bit of that feel to it with a couple other things. Obviously, some Star Wars elements thrown in. It's a, it's a lot of tropes. And uh, that's kind of what I knew going in. So I was fine with that aspect of it. I'm just I'm just hoping that the second part develops some things more in this world, and I'm going to wait until then. But for sure, right now, for, for me, for the record, sh- people, Battle Beyond the Stars, which I saw reference this, it was just a ripoff of Battle Beyond the Stars. Battle Beyond the Stars came out after Star Wars, came out in 1980, and it was a trope of a bunch of other science fiction. Yeah, it was a Roger Corman film. Yeah, yeah, and it was, uh, you know, it was inspired by a lot of stuff, but it was inspired mostly by Star Wars, which of course was also. Inspired a lot with uh, Joseph Campbell and, of course, samurai films. Hidden Fortress, yeah. you know, Seven Samurai, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you obviously can't buy Rebel Moon, but if uh, on our ranking system, I, I would definitely say it's a stream. It. I think I think if you're a science fiction fan, a, a fan of Zack Snyder, or a fan of the, it's it's an amazing cast. I will, I will not argue that point. It is an absolutely phenomenal cast. If part two is not as... If I don't enjoy part two as much as part one and I don't feel like they complement each other, um, I'll just say stream it. But for me, I'm going to buy it. Like if this came out on uh, physical media, I would definitely buy it because visually I just get thrown right into it. And I'm okay with lack of writing and character development if you can if you can compensate on other parts of it. You know, it's the reason why I like to watch Ultraviolet, you know. Yeah. With, you know, uh, that movie's, it's not the best uh, written one, but man, it is gorgeous to look at, you know, and I'm okay with that, you know? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the Mila Jovovich film, by the way, from a long, long time ago. Yes, I remember <laughs> it, but yeah. Next up, Kevin, we got something you've seen. I have not seen yet, but it has Sydney Sweeney in it and that makes me happy. Yeah. So I saw uh, the, um, 
I saw this as a double feature, actually. I went to go see Aquaman 2 and Anyone But You. I was in the mood for romantic comedy. I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but I like romantic comedies. I'm a rom-com guy. like like rom-coms. And there hasn't really been a lot of theatrical rom-coms as of lately that have really kind of garnered any attention that I know of. They've been mostly straight to video, or, uh, like a streaming, you know, stuff like that. And I'm a fan. I'm becoming a fan of Glenn Powell, Kyle. And also, this is the reason why, and you're the reason why, I went and bought the movie Devotion, which I haven't watched yet that I really want to see. Because Glenn Powell, to me, I'm more familiar with uh, his part in uh, Top Gun Maverick, which he was really, really good. He kind of played the Iceman type character. Yeah. You know, the cocky good pilot. Good looking guy. I could see him becoming the next leading man of a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah, I was gonna say this movie has two of the hotter actresses act or actors in Hollywood, and I don't just mean that because they 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 are two of the hot names to put in movies right now. Either they, we are talking about some beautiful people here. Yeah, so it's this was a really a really cool. This was actually a fun uh, fun fun movie. I really enjoyed this. It's basically about these this couple that meets, I think, in New York, and misunderstanding happens, and uh, then they run again. You know, they don't see each other and they're angry at each other because of this mis misunderstanding. And then they meet up again and they hate each other. And some great, there's some great quips that go between them when they don't like each other. And they ended up, they end up being invited to the same wedding that's going to be in Australia, in Sydney, Australia. And it's great because a lot of the places that they filmed, I was in and around, which was great. So I was familiar with some of the locations. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Kevin. Wedding, Australia, that sounds a little familiar. Yeah, I was kind of going, man, that should have been me, damn it. <laughs> it was supposed to have been me in 2020. But uh, most of the, all of this, mo excuse me, most of this is filmed in Australia. But uh, you got to give it up for the rest of the cast. The cast was great, man. Uh, Sydney Sweeney, of course, Glenn Powell. Um, uh, who else is here? Uh, uh, Dermot Maroney plays one of the, plays the father. Rachel Griffiths is the mother. And uh, you also get, um, oh God, what's her name from um, Star Trek Picard? Uh, the Michelle ah, Hurd. Yes, Michelle Hurd is in it. She is in it. And uh, the rest of the cast really shines. It's, it's very, very funny. It's an R-rated comedy for nudity and for language. So I highly recommend it. Very good. So you you would call you call it a buy it then? Yep, I'm buying this when this comes out. Big fan of it. I have not seen it yet, but I will definitely be checking it out at some point. But next up, normally we cover this in a little True Believers, but you know, it, there's some other Marvel stuff coming out, and there's a little, kind of got crowded for Marvel for the first of the year. But I want to talk about What If season two, Kevin. I know you watched at least the first episode. Yes, I've watched me, the you, first episode. Yes, you told me you were not necessarily a fan of, but no, not a fan of it. I I have actually thoroughly enjoyed What If season two. I think it is far superior to What If season one. They have a lot more fun with it. It's not as quite as dark. And it sets up a lot with the age with the Captain Carter character, who I am truly believing now that they are plan, have plans for Haley Atwell to reprise that role somewhere down the line in the MCU, probably maybe even in the Secret Wars film mm -hmm. or something like that, because they have really made her the kind of the outside of the watcher, the centerpiece for these what if episodes. I just want to run down the episode titles real quick, if you bear with me for just a second, Kevin. Mm -hmm. We have What If Nebula joined the Nova Corps. What if Peter Quill attacked Earth, Earth's Mightiest Heroes? What if Happy Hogan Saved Christmas, which released on Christmas Eve? So it was. It was I, need, I do Christmas need to watch thing. that one. I, I like to see that. Um, 
What if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster? Um, just real quick. Basically, they treat it is that Tony Stark does not get out of the portal from the first Avengers when he drops the missile in, and he's the one who ends up on that planet instead of the Hulk. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. A very fun, another very fun episode. A sequel episode from season one. What if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? Um, oh, okay. What if Kahori reshaped the world? This is a very interesting episode of What If? Because it deals with some Native Americans, and they actually use a lot of Native American action uh, language in this episode. Who's Kahori? Uh, she's a Native American character that's been kind of a small role in the Marvel Marvel comics, but it's it's actually a really good character within the, these episodes of What If? Okay. An absolutely fun episode. What if Hela found the Ten Rings? Founded the Ten Rings. Right? Found. Okay. Found. Oh, the found ten the Ten Rings. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, what if the Avengers assembled in 1602? Another absolutely fun episode. And what if Strange Supreme from the first season intervened? Kind of picking up some storylines with that character from the first season. Kevin, most of these episodes were so much fun. And they, like what if season one, they brought back as much of the voice of the actual actors to provide the voices that they could. And even okay. when they couldn't get like a Scarlett Johansson for uh, Natasha Romanov, Lake Bell does the voice of Natasha Romanov in these. And she is phenomenal. And uh, I like, I like Lake Bell in, in that role. And the guy who the, I can't think of his name, but he, he does the voice for um, Tony Stark in these. He, he's a, he did the voice in season one. I, I wasn't quite a fan of his, but he looks like he's refined himself. He's a lot better. And I think because they're doing a lot more fun version of Tony Stark in these episodes, it works. Chris Hemsworth is in several of these episodes. Nice. Haley Atwell, okay. Haley Atwell's in a ton of these episodes as well. And uh, Paul Rudd even is in an episode of, in one of these episodes voicing Scott Lang. So I would say I'd actually buy what if season two, it's been a lot of fun. It's like anything else. You have nine episodes. They might not all be for you, but um, they are a lot of fun. Kevin, I'm going to recommend too for you. What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes? Because there's some great '80s stuff that happens in that episode. Okay, that was a uh, episode two, correct? Yeah. So, okay. um, probably my favorite. Uh, the Happy Hogan Save Christmas is a lot of fun. The Avengers Assemble in 1602 is great, and I had a ton of fun with Hella. What if Hella found the Ten Rings? Okay. And Kate Blanchett does voice Hella in that. Oh, cool. All right, I'll have to do a little, well. uh, little marathon of these before we uh, pot about them. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it, but it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a buy it for me. Um, definitely check out what if season two. Um, that's going to kind of wrap up our buy it stream at our see it, but we're not done yet. We still have some other interesting things to talk about. Kevin, rumor has it we actually ended twenty twenty three finally. Yes, we did. We finally did. Yep. And part of that, it, so. We're at the point now where we're going to kind of do our a little bit of a look back at 2023 and kind of look ahead to 2024. And Kevin and I, you know, everybody has their best best of lists. Um, Kevin and I kind of did a little bit of our um, top five movies for 2023, plus a few honor mentions, maybe something that wasn't quite so good here. Um, Kevin, I got we we kind of talked about this off mic. This was I'm not going to say this was the greatest year for movies ever, and I know because. A lot, of, a lot of stuff got moved into 2024 because of the strike and everything like that, but still some fines in this, in this year. Also too, we're still getting the effects of COVID last year and how stuff was delayed and, you know, people were patching stuff together, but uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of like the full 2023 was the full return to movie theaters uh, setup. 
sort of thing, I guess. You know, because 2022 wasn't quite there yet. People weren't quite ready. And but 2023 is like, okay, it's safe to come back to the theaters. Let's get out there, you know? Yeah. Now, for our list, obviously, we wanted to do movies we had seen. Not we weren't just going to go by like reviews and stuff like that. We had actually seen these films to give our per- personal thoughts on that because I'm looking at the IMDb's best of 2023. It's a little rough. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's read this for the people that are listening to this. So at number 10 was The Flash. And this is the top movies of 2023, inc- uh, include, according to IMDb. Number nine was Killers of the Flower Moon, which I haven't seen yet, but it's going to drop on Apple Plus in a few days of this recording. I think it's like the 12th. Of yeah. January, it'll be on Apple Plus. Spider Man yeah. Across the Spider Verse at eight. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's at number seven. The Super Mario Brothers movie at six. That made a ton of money. Uh, mm-hmm. John Wick Chapter Four at five. And The Little Mermaid at four. Guardians of the Galaxy at three. Barbie at two. And Oppenheimer at one. So, yeah, uh, we're, we're, as we get into this, you're going to see. We kind of vary from so, some of the things on this list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah. We, I, 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 I'm not. I'm just. I'm just not feeling it, Kevin. I just. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what's, what's going on there. But I am just not feeling it. But, but you got I some. You, Kyle. We're gonna start with you, and you got some honorable mentions first. Yes, absolutely. And so, honorable mentions. And this was tough because there's some. I could have probably put four or five more films on this list. When I actually, I'm going to talk about here. Too, because I know you have it in your honorable mentions as well. Um, but these were my three honorable mentions. Gran Turismo, I'm going to be honest, biggest surprise film of the year. We're going to talk more about that a little later. John Wick Chapter 4 and Dungeons & Dragons, which was another great fun surprise for me. It was way better than I thought it was going, going to be. Also, I want to put in the, my honorable mentions, and I know you have here too, is um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. We'll talk about it more when we we get to yours, yours, but those are kind of my honorable mentions of for 2023. As far as my top five films, number five is the Marvels. I had a ton of fun with the Marvels. Yes, the Flurkin always win my heart over anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a fan of the Kitty Cats, but um, I think this was just so much fun. I think it was a immense improvement performance too from Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, and I think it helped having those other two to play off of it really i think she yeah. was a lot more fun and relaxed as the character in this and i think it was better i think it was better writing and she felt more comfortable with it yeah extraction two in my honest opinion the best action film this year as good so as john good. wick is and had incredible action sequences in it extraction two one I, I was a fan of the first one and this movie blew the first one out of the water and i think i love chris hemsworth in this role and it was just, it was so well done. I wish this would have gotten a big screen release by Netflix. Just so you, people are, that are know that are watching, listening, you're going from five to four right now. Yeah, uh, five to, to four. four. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number three for me, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I love the first film. This film was, one, as it was amazing. Animation work was incredible. The, uh, the vo- voice acting, the music, everything about this is just, Everything they've done with this Spider-Verse films, I've just thoroughly enjoyed. I love the Miles Morales character. I really like what they did with the Gwen Stacy character in this as well. Um, I can't wait for the sequel whenever that's going to happen, but uh, (laughs) just thoroughly enjoyed this. One of the best animated films I've seen in a long time. Number two, the best Marvel movie of the year, and really I think probably the best Marvel movie they've done since Avengers Endgame, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. This had an emotional gut punch in it. 
um, the phenomenal story of Rocket in this film, and yeah. just feel feeling like it cl closing the chapter on this last original, last true trilogy left over from the Infinity Saga. And um, I hope it's not the last time we're going to see Guardians characters. I, I'm pretty sure it won't be, but just absolutely love this movie. Some heart wrenching moments, some emotional moments, and just phenomenally fun, like all the Guardians films. But my number one movie of the year. And I'm honestly surprised I'm even saying this, and I've been very excited for this movie for a long time. Godzilla minus one. This this is the movie that is taking over the world. They keep extending out its stays in theaters. It's making it had an 18 million dollar budget, which it's well surpassed. It is a phenomenal film, not only because Godzilla is it's Godzilla in it, and it is one of the few Godzilla films where you truly invest yourself into the human characters as well. You know, I'm surprised that it had such a low budget because it does not look like a low budget film when you watch that movie. No, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But I, well, I, if that, you that's, told me a, good, that's a good top five, brother. I, I got yeah, you. if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, Godzilla minus one would have been my top film. I would have probably, I would have thought, well, I might make, make honorable mentions because I'm a Godzilla fan. But it was just, it was phenomenal in so many ways, and just. Go see if you have not had the chance to go see it in you know, on the while you have a chance on the big screen. It is a must see big screen film. I would agree with that. Yep. So, what about? Oh, wait. Well, I do. Hold have, on. Hold more. on, Kyle. You still on? You're still on deck here. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, too, when you talk about the best, you must talk about the worst. And I have a tie. And guess what? They're both DC films, Kevin. <laughs> um, The Flash and Shazam! Fury of the Gods. And there's some different reasons for this. I'm going to be honest. The first time I saw The Flash, I came out, I think, probably feeling the, a little bit of the retro high of having Michael Keaton back as Batman. When I tried to rewatch The Flash on HBO one night, I couldn't even get five minutes into it because Ezra Miller, it was so annoying in this film. And you have to him. Yeah, you're not a fan of Ezra. Yeah. I, I, the thing is, is I've seen some other things yeah. I've liked him, but I do not like his portrayal of Barry Allen. I will still say my it's great to have Michael Keaton as Batman. I actually really like the actress who played Supergirl, but this is just a bad film. There is some horrible, and I mean horrible CGI in this film that just takes you out of the film. And there are just moments where it's just it's not it's not rewatchable at all. It's like okay, maybe if you give me the Michael Keaton cut of this film, but. <laughs> It is just rough. Shazam Fury of the Gods. I had so much fun with the first Shazam film. It was it was just fun. I, I loved I loved Zachary Levi's performance in it. I loved the kids' performance across the board. This movie was overstuffed, overacted, and just such a disappointment after such a fun initial film. And I think it's, again, I think with both of these films, there's another aspect we got to tie into it. The end of that particular, this version of the DC universe in film. And I think it really affected both of these films because I really do believe they had much support from the studios. Um, obviously, The Flash, there's a lot of other things that happened with that too that brought that down. But Kevin, this was just a rough year for DC and these two films really, it, it was, they, they are not rewatchable in, okay. in my opinion. And that, for for comic book movies to not be rewatchable, even if they're a heavier comic book movie, a comic book movie should be rewatchable, and these films are not rewatchable. Yeah, I get you, brother. <laughs> I'll come on that. 
<laughs> I'll comment on that later. Uh, Kenny says, I tried to like the Flash movie, uh, but could not, uh, but not through love seeing Michael Keaton as Batman again. Grant Austin and John Wesley ship my flashage, flashes, but why no cameos from them? I know, right, dude? Seriously, why, why not? You know, especially with all the multiverse stuff. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Kyle would agree with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the fact that Ezra Miller gets a cameo in the Flash TV show, but Grant Gustin can't get a cameo in the Flash movie. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. All right. So my turn, oh, right? Yeah. You are on deck. All right. So my honorable mentions are going to be for the Marvels. Love the Marvels. Enjoyed the Marvels for the same reasons you did, Kyle. Same thing with Dungeons and Dragons. I was kind of going in that going, uh, is that going to be good? And man, that was so much fun. What a fun adventure film. Great, great Cr character. Chris Pine elevated that movie so much. Yeah, but the 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 rest of the cast was good too. I mean, yes, mm -hmm. he elevated oh, yeah. it, but the rest of the cast was fantastic. And Kyle, you are spot on. Extraction 2 also makes my honorable mention. Great action flick. Oh my God, it was so good. Uh, enjoyed the first one, like you said, and this one was better than the first one. And give me Extraction 3 yesterday, please. And Mission Impossible uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1. God dang, that was a good ride, man. Great cast, too. Great stunts, Kyle. Um, I'm just going to say this. The ladies steal this movie from, Stomp, from Tom Cruise. I would agree. I would agree. Katie Atwell is phenomenal in this movie. Uh, yeah. Gorgeous, too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely agree. Yeah, definitely. So those are my honorable mentions, the Marvels, Dungeons and Dragons, Extraction 2, and Mission Impossible. My top five movies, starting with number five, Kyle, uh, is going to be uh, Godzilla Minus One. I was uh, really, really surprised that I would like this film. I was expecting a fun, you know, monster movie. And and I've been going to the monster movies, Kyle. I've been watching them, you know, just because I'm curious. And uh, I remember seeing... Um, uh, Shin Godzilla on the big screen with our friend Michael Morris, who of course is a, uh, a kaiju expert and Godzilla lover. And I'm going, you know, I got to see Godzilla on the big screen because at the time, Kyle, we only thought it was going to be in the theaters for like about a week or so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then it takes off and I'm going, damn, this thing is good. And I think I saw this on a double feature as well. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, also then at number four, love me some John wick chapter four. I was, of of all four of them now, third is probably the least favorite, even though I still like it. But man, I love John Wick Chapter 4. I love that we got some uh, new introductions to the world of assassins and, and traditions and things that you have to do. And also, too, Kyle, it's on my list because I got to go to Paris this year, visit the famous uh, soccer course steps where the final fight took place. So I got to experience that as well. So that makes it number four. Number three for me is Gran Turismo. I saw that on the big screen. I told you, Kyle, to go see it because it was good based on a true story and uh, just a, a good supporting cast as well. But more importantly, Kyle, Gran Turismo has some great racing scenes, especially the Le Mans race at mm -hmm. the end. That's yeah. where I was wondering if we were going to, if it was going to chintz out, but boy, it did not. And I'm a big fan of like good racing movies. So yeah, yeah that was good. Ke Kevin, I think it's safe to say for both of us, this was, that was, it's a video game movie and it was the biggest surprise of the year. Yeah, definitely. For, for, for you and me. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Number two is definitely guardians of the galaxy volume three. Uh, yeah, definitely one of the best Marvel films that has, has come out. Um, 
Yeah, you said it was the best one since Endgame. Yeah, I would have to say. I would agree. Definitely. It was really, really good. And uh, even if it is the last time we see the Guardians, I just want to say that uh, it is a good way to wrap things up. But uh, I think we're going to see um, Peter Quill back. So, so yeah. And then number one, Kyle surprised me. I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect from this film. And that is Renfield. And not enough people have seen this damn film. Kyle, have you seen it? I, I have seen it. I, I I did find it very enjoyable. It's very funny. Um, Nicholas Holt is great in it. And, I, and of course, it's Nick Cage just Nick Caging it up as a vampire. But here's the thing, though. Nick Cage is not the lead star, even though he his name is at the top. He's kind of a secondary character in this because Nicholas Holt and uh, Aquafina wow, and some of the cast in this is hilarious. Now, just think of this real quick. Um, Nicholas Holt kind of plays, you know, his assistant, his longtime assistant, Renfield, um, to, to, to Dracula. And it's a um, toxic relationship. And he goes to counseling and hilarity ensues. Not only is it as funny as you know what, but it is also very bloody and violent. <laughs> Surprise me. I watched it again when it came out on video, Kyle. Enjoy it just the same. Uh, it is a movie people should see and uh, check it out. Well, Kevin. Um, can you, you're not done yet though either. Cause you talked about your best. Yeah, I got, I got, I got some words too. And you and I are on the same boat on one of them there, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I have quick, a time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Kenneth Crayley, John Wick chapter four guardians of the galaxy volume three plus Spider-Man across the spider verse were his favorite films of 2023. All good choices nice. there. You can't go wrong. Nice. Yeah. So my tie is Sam, uh, fear of the gods. I ended up watching this. I think on the plane or no, no, no. I did watch it at home when it came on to uh, max. Cause I did not see in the theater. I wasn't drawn to it. Cause I, I enjoyed the first one too, Kyle. Ugh, it's just bad. I just, I didn't care about anything with it. And it just, it's a very paint by numbers superhero film. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just did not care for it or the characters at all. I just felt it was kind of like patched together. And I don't know, Kyle, I, I don't want to say, but I agree with you. Yeah, it was bad. It, it, it was rough. <laughs> and Kevin, your other film, I have not watched it based off of what you told me about it. I am waiting for it to just stream or I can watch it for free and make judgment. And I think that's happening here shortly. If it hasn't happened already, already, but um, I've heard nothing good about. Yeah. I saw this movie when I was in London. I was like, ah, oh, I'm in London. I'm going to go to the movies, a brand new movie coming out. I'm going to go see expendables forks. I'm going to get some good action. And you know, we got, we got some of the cast back, you know, and uh, yeah, the story sucked dude. And the, the supporting cast of the new action heroes just didn't do it for me. Even beautiful Megan Fox couldn't find it for me because apparently her hair is perfect wherever she goes, you know, <laughs> even when she's okay. killing bad guys. I mean, I, it just, it was bad, man. And there were some really predictable parts, but what's kind of sad is they had uh, the guy from, um, was it, is it Uwe? What's the guy's name from? Uh, um, oh yeah. Uwe, Uwe from, the, yeah, from the raid. It, yeah. He was one of the villains in it and he couldn't save it. Uh, it just was not good. And I, I'm a huge Expendables fan, dude. I love the first, first uh, three films, but this one, I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> Okay, Kevin, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, is it time to retire the franchise? The problem, the thing that we liked about the first few Expendables, Kyle, is because most of the cast was the old school 
action heroes. And they're trying to bring in the young blood, like more of the young blood, but they don't know how to be action heroes. That's, that's my problem. And this movie mostly showcases Jason Statham because I figure like, you know, they're going to let him be front and center here. And he is front and center most of this time because the story is mostly evolved around kind of him and what's going on. And the rest of the cast just feels like this is the new it people. Let's just see him shoot guns. And it just so, so it doesn't I, work. Can I be honest? I'm more intrigued by Statham's upcoming movie, Beekeeper, than I will am Expendables 4. And that's I even before. There. Yeah. So but I would love to get your thought. I, I do want you to watch this crappy movie, Kyle. I'm actually asking you to do it because I want your thoughts on it. I want to see if I, as soon as I know it. it's available for streaming, I will I'll go watch that crappy movie. Okay. <laughs> um, before we close out of this section too, I want to, I want to, I want to throw out one TV show here. That was a big surprise for me. We talked about Gran Turismo. It's actually a TV show that it was also based off a video game. People saw it, but not enough people saw it because it's on Peacock streaming. The twisted metal TV show with Anthony Mackie was, if I had Peacock Kyle, I would watch it, but yeah. I don't, <laughs> I know you don't, but it is so incredibly fun. It's got a little bit of that Deadpool vo fun vibe to it. And they, they know what it is. There is guest stars galore in this, including Nev Campbell, Kevin. Uh, can I give a shout out to a guilty pleasure? I, uh, I, I did over the holiday weekend is obliterated. Mm. Have you heard about okay. this? No, I Kyle? haven't heard about this. It's no. on Netflix. It's one of the highly rated ones on Netflix. It's a eight episode series about a, uh, basically a, a special forces team that uh, specializes on finding like uh, terrorists with bombs and stuff. And uh, it is all action. It is a lot of sex in it. There's a lot of violence in it. And um, see Thomas Howell really gets to kind of have some fun at his age with this young group. Wait, wait, and he's still um, alive. <laughs> yes, he's still alive. And there's some unexpected nudity that I did not expect in this series. I'm just going to tell you. And I don't it, know. That, that sounds it, ominous. Almost. And it <laughs> takes most most place in Las Vegas because that's where the threat is. And so they film in and all around Las Vegas, which I'm very familiar with as of late. But I recommend it if you want a nice guilty pleasure. Turn off your brain series. I marathon the whole series within a couple of days. <laughs> well, you know, now, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin. Kevin not only marathoned that that particular Netflix series. Kevin watched a lot of things in 2023. And we're going to explain that in just one moment. Well, we're back to Culture Clash 242. Hello 2024, but we are closing out one more thing for 2023 because if if you obviously Kevin and I do this show mainly one of the main reasons why is because we are both huge movie buffs. Well, Kevin conducted himself in an experiment this year using a newer app that's come out here in the what, about three years ago now for the letterbox so. yeah now actually um, i think it was more like 2016 actually it's it kind of may have got lost in the COVID. it kind of got lost in the COVID. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second yeah 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 but um yeah kevin did a little experiment with letterboxd and yeah kevin i'm going to let you explain to our listeners and to our viewers what exactly you did in 2023? Well, I want to talk about Letterbox real quick because I feel like I'm kind of uh, late on the late of late on this because a mm -hmm. lot of the younger generation is using Letterbox 
to rate films, to share films, to talk about films and blah, blah, blah. Kind of like we do with IMDb to get our information from. And Letterboxd does get information from IMDb. They talk about it. They also get it from Wikipedia and stuff like that. But a lot of people are going to Letterboxd because you can keep track of your movies too, which is great. And um, so for 2023, I decided to set out and document all the movies uh, that I watched for an entire year from January 1st, uh, 2023 through December 31st, 2023. And you'll see the screenshots that I have because it, you can keep track of your films and it will show them um, like all the posters of the films on your, your uh, app on your phone. And for those of you that know me, I love movies. I want to keep track of what I've seen. And uh, one of my uh, friends, Jeremy Orr, fellow Highlander fan, shout out. He did this last year. And I'm like, you know what? And because I think he came out on the first of, of uh, January last year. Say he had seen like 200 and something films. I think it was. I don't remember the exact number. I'm like, you know, well, I want to keep track of my films because I forget about a lot of these things, Kyle. And and I found this very useful when you and I were kind of podcast about something. I'm like, well, you know, I want to remember what I was talking about or what I was seeing. And knowing that we watch films for Time Warp and Couch Potato Theaters, I'm like, this is a great way to kind of keep a timeline of when you're watching films. And so this also included all the movies I watched on the big screen, the theater at home, hotel, traveling via streaming, long airplane rides. Uh, physical media included, of course, streaming, uh, you know, HBOs and Cinemaxes and stuff like that, DVD, Blu-ray, VHS, and yes, even Laserdiscs were all included on this, Kyle. And so I wanted to do, uh, from the beginning of the year, uh, let's start here, uh, from the left to the right, I started with the movie Blonde, of course, that was nominated for an Oscar starring Anna de Armas, um, you know, playing um, Marilyn Monroe. And I started going through a lot of my favorites as well. There's some couch potato theaters on here, like Pixel. I did a little, uh, uh, a little Las Vegas duo here of monsters. I did Bugsy and Casino. And so I slowly started going through. I had to do my 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street uh, marathon. Did that. A lot of comedies, uh, you know, coming through. And I started going to some of the films as well. Um, you'll notice this one film here called Crackers, Kyle. Uh, watched that for the first time because my uh, wife's father uh, co-starred in that film, Terry Gill. Uh, he was also in Crocodile Dundee, and I'd never seen that comedy, so I got to finally watch that. Uh, Kyle, you recognizing some of these films that we were uh, watching in uh, the Time Warp and Couch Potato Theaters yep, as well? Absolutely. absolutely. And, of course, a, a lot of films, too, that are great revisit films. Yes, yes. And of course, I was doing a, a little wine duo here. I was watching Sideways and Bottle Shock, of course. And, uh, I, you know, some action movies I love as well. I was going through here. Uh, you can definitely see a lot of 83 films. And then you saw, uh, was I have the 65 film with, um, uh, what's his name from Star Wars? Kylo Adam Wong. Driver. Adam Driver, yes. Uh, there also is um, uh, Empire Records, which we did a couch potato mm -hmm. theater on, which was a lot of fun to do. Uh, yeah. So, and I was getting ready for John Wick four. I don't know if you know, Kyle, I was watching some earlier John Wicks, John Wick four is on there as well. I saw Babylon, saw Top Gun Maverick again. Just for the, all the listeners out there who may not be familiar with Kevin's John Wick obsession. Anytime Kevin watches John Wick, he puts on a suit first. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I, I wore a suit to that John Wick four, just so you know, I suit up for Wick. Uh, you'll see the Dungeons and Dragons on there too. Seeing that in there. 
uh, I had to go watch uh, Star Trek, uh, the uh, Star Trek, um, Bo- no, I'm sorry, Star Trek Six, my favorite uh, of the original um, cast. But, but Kevin, most importantly, do you love them in blue? I love them in blue, baby. Megaforce, <laughs> there, check that out. Got hot to time machine is there as well. But we continued going through. There's a lot of stuff on here. I had to watch a little football movie, Draft Day. Had to get that in there. We watched John Carter. Uh, I watched the original trilogy. But I had to start with Star Wars Empire Strikes Back because, Kyle, this is when Aaron was in town. And mm-hmm. we went down to Hollywood and we saw Valley Girl on the big screen. Did a couch potato theater of it. Then we saw the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. We did a couch potato theater on that as well. Or uh, was that that was couch potato theater? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's Renfield right there, Kyle. Saw that in the big screen. And then also on the big screen, we saw Flashdance because that was also celebrating its 40th anniversary. So. Yeah, you can see a lot of theater stuff on there. Sweet Home Alabama. That was a funny story, Kyle. Been meaning to watch that. Never seen it before. Tried to watch it once. I was too tired with Aaron. She's like, you're never going to watch this, are you? Finally, we sat down and watched it because it's one of Aaron's favorite films. Yep. Um, and then The Haunting of Julia. If you saw see that picture down on the far right, Kyle, that is one of mm-hmm. Aaron's favorite um, uh, horror movies starring Mia Farrow. And when we were in London, we went to the house that that was filmed at in the front. Blue Thunder. We kept going. Had to watch Chef again. Love, love me some Chef. Streets of Fire. Aaron was not a fan of that film. <laughs> Watched Flash Gordon. Huge fan of that. Uh, yeah. And some of these are like plane rides as well. You know, we were, I did long plane rides and watched them. And uh, yeah. So did a little Pitch, pitch Perfect. Pitch, pitch Perfect 2 as well. Kept going on through. And then I finally did my full-on rewatch of all of the Mission Impossible films. Because I wanted to be ready for Dead Reckoning. Did you do that, Kyle? <laughs> Yeah, and then we did it. We actually did a very special Couch Potato Theater covering all of the Mission Impossible franchise. Yeah, we did. Uh, Note Hard Feelings, a funny comedy, R-rated comedy with um, with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. That was a lot of good. Of course, right after I saw Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, I had to uh, wash that out a little bit and watch Rounders. <laughs> yeah. You did a good Rounders film there. Some more 83 films there. Uh, yeah, now I'm getting here towards the end end of the year here. Look at look at this. I watched uh, what was it? Um, Drive, License to Drive with the Feldmans, and then I watched uh, GI Joe. Um, uh, was it Retribution? Retaliation. Yeah, and then Galaxy Quest. You know. <laughs> then while I was at Comic Con, driving back up, I had to do the Barbenheimer <laughs> double feature at the Man's Chinese Theater in L.A. I watched Oppenheimer and Barbie on the same day. So, yeah. And then we start getting towards the end of the year here, Kyle. You'll recognize some of these films. One of them, of course, is the big screen showing of Ahsoka, the two episodes. Mm-hmm. That counts as a movie in the theater, Kyle, at the Disney Theater there, the El Capitan. Saw those two episodes back to back. And, uh, yeah, we're getting towards the end here. Watch Batman again. Glorious Bastards. Finally saw Eddie and the Cruisers. And then I had to go, wait a minute, Kyle, there's a sequel? I had to watch yep. Eddie too. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, watched Ronin and uh, Wolf of Wall Street back to back. Then I started my MCU um, Infinity Saga rewatch with Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor. And I kept going through there, including the, uh, just to clarify too, Kyle, a lot, several of these films are short films. They weren't all mm-hmm. like theatrical or at home, sit at homes, right. but they're still yeah. films. They still count. So and, and we must we must give a special shout out to the lower right hand corner, um, our good friend Johnny K and his phenomenal Batman short film. 
Yes, The Oath. It is a 1989 Batman prequel. Uh, takes place a few days before the original events of the original 89 Batman. Uh, make sure to check it out. It's award-winning, uh, wonderful, wonderful film. And uh, yeah, uh, then I started kind of sneaking with the Lord of the Rings trilogy because I knew I was going to watch some of that on like, you know, Christmas Day and stuff like that. Uh, I did a really good double feature of Double Team and Exit Wounds, <laughs> which I, I realized I really enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would because I'd never seen them before. So yeah, uh, big fan of year one comedy, by the way. Ivan Reitman's last directed film. Good cast there. It's funny. Getting towards the end here, Kyle. Here we are. These are the final two months here. All right. Um, I'm just going to go in the last month here up to yeah. December I'm, I'm, 31st. What? What? Did you time out? Are you time outing me? I am time outing you because I know what you're, I know where you're going, but I'm time. I'm pulling a Zach Morris on this because I have to call you on this. Okay. Kevin you Reitzel, you watched the sequel trilogy. Now you have been teasing me all week that you have thoughts after rewatching the sequel trilogy. You're wondering why I watched the sequel trilogy, right? Because I know your feelings on it, but I also know that you are the kind of guy who will give it some time and say, okay, maybe I need to revisit this and look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And I've done that before with the sequel trilogy. You know, I, I have gone back and rewatched it for those of you that don't know. I'm not a fan of the sequel trilogy. Uh, I was disappointed with it. I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but, um, so here's the reason why. So just to give you an idea of what I watched, the last uh, one, two, three, four, uh, twelve, the last twelve films I watched was Spirited, uh, the funny uh, holiday comedy with Ryan Reynolds and um, um, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Then I watched Predator. Then I watched the Star Wars Force Awakens, Star Wars uh, the Last Jedi, and Star Wars um, the Rise of Skywalker. Then I watched a sniper documentary. I watched an 83 film I couldn't find, uh, The Man Who Wasn't There. I watched Action Jackson. Then I watched the short of uh, Carter, um, Agent Carter. I watched Thor The Dark World. Then I watched Strange Days, which is a New Year's Eve tradition for me. And after Strange Days, I watched the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, Kyle, the reason why I wanted to rewatch the uh, sequel trilogy of Star Wars is because in my Facebook memories from... Um, Starting, I think, in November and definitely in December, what was happening was I was getting a lot of memories of going to see the sequel trilogy on the big screen. Partly in due of the marathons that we were doing for um, uh, The Force Awakens, all six films were being shown to theater. I remember seeing that with Scott and, and Nathan and, um, uh, and his family, um, who are also the, the co-host of What a Piece of Junk podcast, Star Wars podcast. Uh, and so I started getting these memories coming up. Also, all of the 501st and Rebel Legion troops I was doing to support these films that were coming out. And I was getting nostalgia of that time that I really enjoyed sharing Star Wars with people. And those feelings are still there, Kyle. I still enjoy going to the movies with those people and enjoying being in the group and doing Star Warsy stuff. And I found myself going, I don't even remember what the hell happened in Rise of Skywalker. I couldn't remember anything about it because I kind of blocked it from my head. I had a pretty good idea what was happening with The Last Jedi because that's what turned for me with a lot of fans. I'm not a fan of that movie. I know people do love it, and I'm not going to begrudge you on that. It just wasn't for me. The sequel trilogy still, Kyle, is not for me. After watching The Rise of Skywalker, I felt it was just kind of like, let's try to see what we can save here. Uh, there, It had its moments. 
that I did feel a little emotional about uh, some individual moments. But to me, now that I had a another uh, look at it, I'm going to leave that for other people to enjoy and for the younger kids to enjoy. But I'm still not a fan of the sequel trilogy. So I'm going to a little confession time here. Mm-hmm. I can go back and I can rewatch The Force Awakens because of the mem- you talk about there's a lot of good memories for me with The Force Awakens and I don't yeah. think it's that bad of a film. No, I actually I actually like The Force Awakens. It's still my favorite. Uh, if if I had a favorite of the sequel trilogy, Star Wars: uh, The Last Jedi, I have probably watched twice since. I've I've seen clips here and there. You catch it on cable and stuff like, but sat through it and watched it maybe twice. I have not since Rise of Skywalker. I saw it in the theater. I have not sat through that movie start to finish since I saw it. In the yeah, and there's I mean, no. I, yeah. I just I don't have a desire to. It's just the, the thing that I, I got from rewatching this trilogy again was to me it was the biggest lost opportunity in movie history. I I can agree with that for how they handled uh, certain characters and. Not just the or the OG cast. Finn's character just dropped like a lead ball. That character yep. had so much potential. And I'm really disappointed for uh, John Boyega and his character. Um, the one great thing about the sequel trilogy is uh, Daisy Ridley is Ray. She is fantastic as that character. Um, I got to give just, some love to Oscar Isaac, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But John Boyega, uh, a lost opportunity, dropped the ball big time there. But anyway, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I wanted to show that I could watch it again. And I, I was just really curious about it. And, and I gave it its due time. I didn't look at my phone while I was watching it. I, I made sure I gave it all that I could. So, yeah. Um, Kenny says, uh, The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Solo are my favorites of the Disney era uh, of Star Wars. And Mando is my favorite TV series along with Ahsoka. Yeah, good stuff there. I, I'm a huge fan, like Kyle is, of Rogue One. And man, boy, do I love Solo. I freaking love, love Solo. Really do. Yeah. Anyway, so, so there we go. Uh, like I said, there it is. That is 408 movies that I watched in 2023, Kyle. And so, this is reminiscent of when I uh, went and watched to see how many theater movies I could see. In 2010, I went to go see 200 movies on the big screen at the time. 200 so, movies so, on the big screen. Yeah. So I want to ask you as we wrap up this this little experiment with yours, is there anything you pulled from this or anything that's going to stick with you or anything that you learned from this? Yeah. This, this Kyle, this, um, this fandom podcast network and with you has really cultivated my love for movies. And I appreciate you and you helping me um, nurture this because it started with my dad. Uh, he would put on the TVs when I was a kid and, you know, watch these old movies. And the fact that I get to now share that with him and see what old movies he's watching in the house together. Cause we, you know, we live together and you have been able to help me uh, really showcase my fandom on the fandom podcast network by diving into these podcasts and sharing my love for physical media and also allowing me to discover new films, whether it's with Time Warp or Couch Potato Theater, or in your case, you telling me about Sound of Thunder, little things like that. And when I was using this app, it was allowing me to remember these films 
And going back is if I didn't do this, Kyle, I wouldn't remember a lot of these films and I want to remember them. I want to, I want to have this in my library. And that's why I'm happy that the letterbox app is a thing because I can go back and look at that list. That list is still here. This 408 movies. And I am keeping track of 2024. I'm already seven movies in and I'm what five days in right now, which actually is kind of slow. I should have more. <laughs> 500. Yeah. We want 500. <laughs> but my, uh, it all come around saying I appreciate you, Kyle, for uh, allowing me to be part of this fandom podcast network. Is it's allowed uh, well, you, you to be, you to be nerdy? <laughs> yeah. Well, you helped found it with me, and uh, you know I wouldn't change a thing. And you know how I feel about you, man. And you know we both have this <laughs> love for movies. I, I I don't get to indulge, unfortunately. You know sometimes real life for me doesn't let me indulge as much as I would like to in that, but I am going to keep a letterbox list this year too, just to see how many movies I can. I don't think I'm going to hit four, 408, but I don't expect I, I, you I, to, I, I don't want you to compete. I just want you to calculate it and it's going to be fun looking back and maybe we can do like a six month kind of like, let's look at our list type of thing. That might be kind of fun. And then we'll, at the end, we'll do the similar thing. However, I'm, I'm going to make one prediction now. Um, you will be seeing a lot more movies in the theater in 2024. You think so? I, I think so because there will actually be movies in the theater in 2024. <laughs> which which reminds me, before we close out of this episode of Culture Clash, we got one more thing we want to do. It's been a long show, but you know what? We are entering 2024. Um, Kenny, I want to thank you for two. Serialized is a good app for keeping track of TV shows you watch. It's like Letterboxd, but for TV. Uh, oh my God. I got to check that out, Kenny. Thank you for that because the, the movie app um, letterbox doesn't do TV shows. So I'm going to yeah. check that out. Thank you very, very much. So, but it is 2024. We're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff in the fandom podcast network in 2024. Lots more CPTs, lots more time warp. Of course um, we will be returning to star Trek in 2024 with um, a new season of strange new worlds, hopefully a new season of lower decks and the final season of star Trek discovery. We've got other things planned too. We'll, True Believers will have a few things going on. We're going to get it figured out. But Kevin, here on Culture Clash, I want to close out this episode. I want to give a couple, have us each give a couple predictions and a couple of hopes for 2024. Predictions and hopes. This was tough at first when you asked me, Kyle. This is tough. <laughs> um, so I, I'll go first uh, with my, my hopes and predictions here. Um, first thing I have is a prediction. At least two streaming services will merge together. I think this is an inevitability. I think we're going to have some studios merge together, which is going to lead some, some um, streaming services merging together. We're hitting, hearing lots of rumors that um, Warner Brothers and Paramount might merge, which would lead to a merging of uh, of Max and Paramount Plus, which could have a. So is it going to be called big, Max Plus or Paramax? Paramax. I'm going. I'm going Paramax. Um, I still think something could happen with the Peacock app and Comcast. We know Hulu is kind of already getting merged into Disney Plus, so that is my prediction: is that streaming services will be merging together, and we're going to be seeing a big change, yet another big change in the streaming landscape before the end of 2020. I like that. Um, do you have a prediction for 2024, Kevin? Yes, because it happened this last year. My favorite movie of 2024. Is not going to be on my radar. Will be my favorite movie. Just like Renfield is my favorite movie of the year. Um, I think a movie that I'm not expected is going to be my favorite movie of the year. Now, Kevin, we also want to have a few hopes for this. And one of our hopes is actually something we are in mutual agreement on. 
We hope Deadpool 3 lives up to the hype. <laughs> please, please, please add up to the hype. I love all of these so-called uh, like fake stuff that we're seeing from the sets, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the trolling that uh, Ryan Reynolds is doing with fans. I love it. Please, please live up to the hype. Do not suck. That is my that is my hope as well with you, Kyle. <laughs> well, and it's going to be an MC, technically be an MCU film, so yeah, that's a big thing too. In right fact, now, it's the only one scheduled right now for twenty. It is the right? only live action MCU film on the schedule in twenty twenty four. Wow. So, yeah. Um, I have another prediction too, Kevin, and I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to your thoughts about this. We will see less franchise movies in the second half of 2024. And what I mean by that is you're not going to see a lot of Marvel. You're not going to see a lot of Star Wars. You're not going to see maybe even a Fast and Furious. Because I think in 2023, Hollywood learned that there is a demand for original films like Oppenheimer, like Barbie. And what I mean by that is something new, something fresh. I think we are going to see Hollywood, also because of the strike and a few other things, we're going to see some different things from Hollywood in the second half of 2024 because the first half is filled with franchise stuff because of things getting postponed and and such because of the strike. <laughs> Kenny says, I can't wait for Deadpool 3. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, Kyle, there was a meme or a photo that was put out of all of the sequels that are coming out in 2024. So <laughs> that technically is kind of franchisey. <laughs> that's yeah. the case. So I know you're targeting the 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 tail into 20 or the second half of 2024 because I think most of those will be out by then maybe but yeah um that's that that's a uh, that's a big that's a bold prediction cotton <laughs> <laughs> well I I um I think your next prediction sir there's some truth to it but it I'm going to say we'll be on life support <laughs> yes. So my prediction is that physical media, more Blu-ray and 4K, it will not go away. And the re what I mean by that is, yes, we will probably not see them, uh, you know, obviously in Best Buy and stuff like that. But I believe it's going to be kind of come a more collector's thing, maybe a made to order type of thing. And I think that the lack of physical media that is now starting to happen people are going to start going i want my physical media you're going to start seeing people hit those uh secondary markets more you're going to see people ordering them online trading them online you're going to see prices go up i'm sure of that but i think that there's going to be a not necessarily like a like the lp uh vinyl renaissance that we had but i think that there's going to be a wanting of it more because of the streaming situations that's going to happen where you might not be able to stream your favorite movies because licenses change. People buy bought the company that was showing it or what have you. I think you're going to see some love for it because I'm starting to see some articles that are showing that. So we'll see. We'll talk about that, of course, uh, when we do our physical slash digital media special that is coming forward. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting year for physical media because I, it's on live support. I, but th there's, there's things going on with even digit certain aspects of digital that I feel like are going away that, uh, that kind of scare me um, as well. Um, Kenny talks about, I think 2024 franchise films will take a break for films and TV shows a bit. Um, I am sad about Superman and Lois too. I think that's been a phenomenal Superman show ending with season four. 
Um, it's, it's a good run, and I think it actually got two more seasons than what it probably would have if not for the fact it had a streaming life on HBO Max as well. But yeah, I have I have one final hope for 2024, and it involves one of the biggest studios out there, and that's Disney. I am truly hoping that Bob Iger keeps his word and what he has been talking about at Disney, the fact that they need to get away from quantity and get back to quality. And that's across the board with Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, all of it. Um, it's time to put the focus on the quality. I would much rather have two Marvel movies a year that are high quality than four that are average. I would much rather, I would like to see some Star Wars movies actually come out, but I want them to be well done too. Um, I want them to recharge themselves and come back with a new sense of energy and purpose in 2025. It's been five years been since Sky Rise of Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the last one, right? Um, yeah, it was. The last movie. Yeah, 2019, right? Yeah. Oh, no, wait, what was, was, no, I think, was Solo after Rise of Skywalker? No. No, no, Solo, it was, Solo was right after um, uh, Last Jedi. Remember that? Six months yeah. after that. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm that is my hope. Um, and actually, and I can apply that to a lot of other studios as well. But Disney, who's kind of got control of a lot of the major franchises right now, um, take 2024 and reset yourself. Yeah, Kenny says that too. I think all major studios need to get back to quality over quantity. Agreed. And I'm going to yeah. talk about that more because, like I said, Fandom Podcast Network this year is also going to be dedicated to a lot of talk of physical versus digital and what's happened because of streaming and some other things. And that is an aspect I have some strong personal feelings about. Yep, definitely. Yeah. But so Kevin, I, I have one last hope. <laughs> I'm waiting, Kevin, 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 could this hope also be so you have some new fresh content for a certain podcast? <laughs> uh, yeah that would help uh yeah so um i don't know if you guys know this or not but i like highlander <laughs> i am the co-host of blood of kings or highlander podcast on the fandom podcast network with lee fillingsness love highlander highlander is the reason why uh i met my wife erin and uh hope my hope is the highlander reboot goes into pre-production or starts filming in 2024 there was some uh, stuff going on that that's going to happen now that the strike is over. And I think they were shooting for a 2025 release. So please, you know, I'm not expecting it to be as good as the original Highlander, Kyle. I just want a new interpretation of Highlander and Chad Stelheski, who is still attached to direct it. And Henry I think, Cavill. Uh, yeah, Henry Cavill is supposed to star in it. Just give me a, fun interpretation of it you know that's yeah. all i want i just need more highlander new highlander in my life I, I i couldn't agree more but with that guys much like 2023 which i'm about to say a certain proper goodbye to it goodbye 2023 as far as i'm concerned this is the best way to get rid of you dang nope. after watching uh 1983 end of the world films like uh, what was it? Day after, and uh, what was the other film that we watched? Uh, oh, that it? Netflix film. Uh, yeah, watched too. Fine, but also the other eighty-three film. Yeah. Uh, I'm forgetting it now, but it was yeah. another what happens when the bomb went off and war games and all that kind of stuff. You know. Stuff, you know so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring on 2024. <laughs> uh, you are. I want to thank everybody for watching. 
Um, Culture Clash today was a long episode, but we had a lot of fun and a lot of fun things to talk about. And of course, if you're watching, you means you're watching on the Phantom Podcast Network YouTube channel. Please give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a share if you feel up to it. Don't don't feel obligated, but we do appreciate the support. Um, of course, this is the Phantom Podcast Network. You can also find all of our audio versions of our podcast on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Of course, you can download that app as well as any of your major streaming podcast catchers because we're on all of them, whether it's iTunes, iHeartRadio, um, Spotify. You can find the Phantom Podcast Network. You can also find us on Facebook on our Facebook page, the Phantom Podcast Network. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Phantom Podcast Network. You can find us on X slash Twitter at Fanpod Network. You can find me, Kyle, on Twitter slash X at AKyleW and on Instagram and threads at AKyleFandom. Kevin, where are you on the socials? Uh, you can find me on X, uh, Instagram, and threads at Spartan underscore Phoenix. And uh, I just want to mention real quick, too, I'm really excited because in April, I'm going to be going back to Australia before hanging out with my wife, of course. I'm going to be going to Brisbane, hanging out with our good friends, Blair, um, I'll be staying with him. We'll be doing some fun, nerdy stuff with movies and stuff such there. And we're also gonna be hanging out with Adam, our lethal mullet, uh, um, mulleteer there. Uh, so we're going to be having some fun and hanging out. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys again in person. I'll be a recovering tax zombie at that point, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to be a very fun 24, 2024 at the Phantom podcast network. And we're going to, have a blast and hopefully you guys join us for the ride. Yeah. T- um, time warp is going to be a lot of fun. This guy's years because we're doing it monthly and there are so many good movies that came out in 1984. So stay tuned. Yep. With that guys, as always, what doesn't matter what year it is, as we say, respect each other. And most importantly, enjoy your fandom. We are out of here. Happy new year, everybody. We Happy will- new year. Yay. And we are out of here.